The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Samir Rice, Sean Bell, Amadou Diallo, Trayvon Martin, Yvette Smith, Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Laquan McDonald, Tanisha Anderson, Akai Gurley, Jeremy Reed, Natasha McKenna, Eric Harris, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, William Chapman, Sandra Bland, Darius Stewart, Samuel Dubois, Janet Wilson, Kellen Rockmore, Alden Sterling. Castile, Joseph Mann, Terrence Crutcher, Chad Robertson, Jordan Edwards, Aaron Bailey, Stephen Clark, Danny Ray Thomas, Antoine Rose, Botham Jean, Atatiana Jefferson, Michael Dean, Michael Dean, Ahmad Arbery, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, and so many others. In the light of current events, we choose to use our platform to fiercely denounce racism and support equal rights and liberty for everyone. Our community is supposed to shine with the vibrance of its diversity. However, it does not. If we are to claim that we are a community, we have to support and protect each member of that community. We cannot sit back idly when innocent citizens in our community are targeted victims of systematic racism and police brutality. Enough is enough. We will no longer tolerate a world that promotes or solicits racism in any form. We will not sit back as the people who are supposed to be protecting each of us continue to kill innocent people based on nothing more than the color of their skin. We will proudly stand up and join the fight for freedom, love, compassion, and equality. We stand together for humanity. Like the powerful messages that we see in Star Wars and Harry Potter, Star Trek, Firefly, Lord of the Rings, Avatar the Last Airbender, The Avengers, and so many more of our favorite fictional stories They suggest fighting injustice and standing up against racism, violence, and bigotry is our civic duty as human beings. 
And if ever you have watched Star Wars, Harry Potter, or any of the other movies or television shows, if ever you have asked yourself, what would I do if I was in that situation? Well, here's your chance. We see you. We support you. We stand with you. Black Lives Matter. Thank you so much for tuning in to this very special episode of Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time activist. Nice. I'm just going to come out and say it. Racism sucks. People who are racist suck. People who hold positions of power and are racist suck. So why are we here in this position today? Why is there still so much ignorance out there? Why is it so difficult to realize that we are all human and each of us deserve the right to exist in this world with equal rights for all? Unfortunately, I think that for a lot of people, the way that they were raised is to believe that they're superior to other people. Sometimes it's the belief that their race, their skin color is superior to others, which is factually and biologically and psychologically and politically wrong or to believe that their religion is superior to others or to believe that their profession or their class is superior to others. In addition, I think certain training programs sometimes implement the strategy of us versus them. Sometimes these strategies, although intended to protect the individuals within that particular field, actually create what's called dehumanization. Dehumanization is a phenomenon where people tend to not see the humanity in the other individual. When they see another person in front of them, they might not experience that person as human and therefore might treat them with lack of humanity with lack of kindness and therefore might be more vicious and more violent toward that person. Interestingly, research studies suggest that finding just one similarity with another person can drastically change and reduce dehumanization effects and increase that person's humanity by understanding that the person standing right in front of me might be just like me by understanding that the person standing right in front of me might also like Harry Potter or Star Wars or pizza Mm -hmm. or coffee might allow us to recognize that this person is a human being. And I urge police officers everywhere to take a moment to look into the eyes of the protesters in front of them and see a human being. See a person who experiences a lot of pain, a person that is just like you, a person that has been through heartbreak, and maybe a person that maybe likes similar things that you do, a person that maybe has a pet like a dog or a cat, a person that might like sandwiches, a person that might like the same sports team as you, and a person that just like you wants to be treated with compassion and humanity. It's not only police officers. We see these videos with the Karens and whatever out there, you know, and we saw this lovely video with this man who says, before you call the cops, and he tells about himself. And I want to play that clip for everybody right now. 
before you call the cops. I just want you to know the first thing that I did when I woke up this morning was yell at my alarm clock. My parents were raised in the South. I have to roll tide or they'll disown me. They raised me in Las Vegas. That city still has my heart. I hate spiders. I'm a vegetarian. I'm not proud about it. I've done goat yoga. I'm really not proud about that. I can tell you every single word off the NWA Straight Outta Compton album. I can also sing you every single word from Oklahoma. Bananas are disgusting. I am a Christian. I spend almost every Sunday morning teaching kids in Sunday school. I am often asked if I am Muslim. I'm okay with that. I'm pretty much convinced if you met my mother, you'd automatically become a better person. My father is a veteran. He taught me how to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, to everyone that I meet. I don't hate our president. I pray for him. I love basketball and also hockey. This is my brother, James. This is my brother, Mike. This is my brother, John. And this is my brother, Rob. I've never been to jail. I've never owned a gun. I hate that anyone at all might possibly be afraid of me. I'd go around the world and back again if I knew that single act might make your day better. I'm a proud man. I'm a proud black man. Does any of this really matter? No. I just wanted you to get to know me better before you called the cops. So, like so many out there do, I feel anger when I watch these horrific videos of black people being mistreated and brutally murdered at the hands of law enforcement. There is so much loss of innocence in these videos. I mean, it just breaks my heart. What I can't understand or grasp in the slightest are people who see this sort of behavior and see nothing wrong with it. Can we discuss what is going on there? Well, in addition to that us versus them attitude that we talked about, I also think that we're seeing a form of cognitive dissonance. I think that for many individuals, it's really hard to accept that there are serious issues with our current system, that systemic racism has been in place in this country and many other countries for centuries. In the United States, systemic racism has been around for over 400 years and in many countries for even longer than that. And so for many folks, it's easier to assume that an individual did something to provoke violent behavior toward them than to realize that there are serious 
problems with our system and that they need to act to change that. When we experience cognitive dissonance, which is a discrepancy between what we believe to be right and what we're actually seeing, for some individuals, their mind automatically fills in that blank to adjust that dissonance, to adjust the discrepancy. And for some individuals, unfortunately, that's trying to find a reason, trying to find an excuse for somebody else to behave inhumanely, believing that the victim of this violence deserved it somehow. Uh, so what we're seeing is an increase in victim blaming behaviors and a lack of accountability, not only by the officers who committed these crimes, but by the observers, by bystanders. Unfortunately, a lot of times folks who observe violent experiences might be passive bystanders where if they don't see anybody else reacting or being outraged, then they might assume that there must be nothing wrong. But when they see other people, especially people they know or people they look up to or people they respect taking action, then they might be more willing to rethink their stance on the situation. And that's why it's so important that all of us serve as an example of what it means to not be a bystander, but to be a participant in this kind of change. What it means to not just be not racist, but be anti-racist, to actually stand up against injustice when we see it, to not let a single incident go by without speaking out against it. And sometimes that means not only speaking out to strangers on social media, but also speaking out to our family members and friends and people that we might respect and might have to disagree with in certain situations, especially when it has to do with human rights and social justice. Yes, it is time to speak up and be protectors and be advocates. What I don't understand is what is the benefit of racism at all? Who benefits from it in the least? I don't know that I'm the best person to answer that. I think a political scientist or sociologist would probably be a better person to answer than I. But in my kind of amateur, non-professional, personal opinion here, I think that the only people who benefit from racism are the oppressors, the, the oppressive group with the majority group, which in this case would be primarily white individuals, the people who are seen as the superior group, even though, again, biologically, sociologically, Politically, there are no differences between any humans. The only differences between us might be the amount of melanin in our skin that might change the coloration of our pigment. And that is no different than the color of our hair and the color of our eyes. And that should not differentiate people's rights and their status in society. Mm. We often hear phrases like, I don't see color, and I have friends who are black. Although these statements appear harmless, they miss the mark. Instead, I feel it is important to value and honor diversity and recognize these differences. Most importantly, we need to acknowledge that racism exists, and those who experience prejudice are often less privileged. 
What are your thoughts on this? First of all, I think we all need to take a long, hard look at ourselves and be aware of our own prejudices and our own racism and some of the ways that we probably were offensive to other people. And somebody who says, I don't see color or somebody who says, I have friends who are black are clearly missing the mark because those responses are defensive responses. They're failing to take accountability that that individual might need to have. They're failing to recognize that that individual might take a racist action. And oftentimes when someone says, I'm not racist, I have racist friends, it's immediately after they've made a racist remark and somebody has accused them or somebody has pointed this out to them. Now, I have news for you just because you might be fond of people of other races and you might have friends or maybe even romantic partners of other races doesn't mean that you don't ever make racist remarks. I mean, I think we all do, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes we think it's funny, but I think it's something we all need to be aware of. Now, you and I are white and that's something we as white people need to be especially aware of because I think that very often we might not realize the heaviness and the significance of our words. And certainly I know I've made many mistakes in my life and I'm still learning. And I think we all have a responsibility to continue educating ourselves so that we are, again, not only not racist, but anti-racist so that we can first notice when racism occurs and outward racism is easy to notice, but there's also microaggressions. And microaggressions are small kind of phrases or actions that some folks might miss. And so even noticing microaggressions and then speaking out against them, being able to tell somebody else that their actions were incorrect or not okay, can be just the first step to fighting this injustice. We know that intergenerational trauma exists. We know that, for instance, children and grandchildren of Holocaust survivors have forever altered DNA where they might be more susceptible to post-traumatic stress disorder and other types of mental health disorders. Now, that's just from 80 years of trauma If you look at 400 years of intergenerational trauma, of systemic racism, of oppression, of history of slavery, of segregation that has existed not too long ago and still exists in a lot of places, now we're talking about consecutive trauma. We're talking about innate PTSD And it's no wonder folks are suffering right now. I couldn't help but think when you were talking, also, it goes back to the beginning when you said it's time to listen to people, listen to their story, honor these differences we might have, their situations, what their story is. It's important to be there for them and listen. Absolutely. As white folks, the best thing that we can do is when we're hearing 
somebody else's perspective from the black community, for example, the best thing we can do is to just shut up and listen, to notice our own defensiveness and to not respond defensively, to allow the words of another person to sink in, to consider their perspective and to take time to digest it rather than to simply defend our own egos. There's, there's no place for that. Right. It goes back to the Colin Kaepernick NFL thing. When he was doing that peaceful protest, he explained exactly why he was doing it. And if people were listening at the time to what he was actually saying, they would have understood a little bit more. I immediately understood it because I listened to what he was saying, <laughs> you know, and people immediately had this ego or whatever. You're disrespecting the country and the flag and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, man. He's trying to say, until people are treating us like we're equal, what am I doing here? And I think you're absolutely right. It's important to acknowledge that he was doing this out of heroism, out of altruism, out of bringing a very important issue to public's attention, using his platform to allow football fans to understand that racism is an ongoing issue and something that needs to be addressed. And all these years later, NFL finally came out to state mm -hmm. that they were wrong. I'm hoping that there will be some kind of retribution from this, but... I don't know. <laughs> it's been so long now. Poor guy probably is so out of practice, but he is a hero. And this is Absolutely. going to be something that is going to boost him now. And the definition of a hero is somebody that takes an action, even if that action causes them physical, social, or psychological harm to stand up for what they believe in. And he essentially lost his career doing it. Yeah. Boy. So seeing that it is now 2020 and we're still having to deal with racism and racial violence and social division, what is the best way we can educate those stuck in this ignorance trap and build bridges of hope and unity? Again, first and foremost, I think we need to educate ourselves. I think that means we have a lot of work to do. There are courses we could take. There are books that we can read about the history of racism in, if we're talking about United States, in United States or globally. And I think that we need to listen. I think that especially when black individuals are speaking out about their story, we need to listen, but we need to take it upon ourselves to learn and not put the pressure on anyone else to educate us. And if we're seeing something that is inappropriate, I think it's important to point it out, not in a nasty, rude way, because that's how we ostracize people, but rather stating, hey, I'm not sure if this is how you meant it, but that comment came across as racist. And here's why. And here's my understanding of this. And perhaps refrain from using this comment. I think that it's important for us to be on the lookout for these kinds of behaviors. When we're witnessing violence and abuse, it's important to say something and do something. I've seen so many white folks standing in front of black folks during these protests because it's really sad, but it seems that the police are more likely to arrest black individuals mm -hmm. than white individuals. And we see white individuals shielding 
black protesters and at least in some instances the police officers back off i don't understand why they're more likely to arrest black folks than white folks but if you just do a five-minute google scholar search looking for racism and arrests you will see a plethora of research articles showing this long history of systemic racism that has been there for decades and generations yes the justice system and the law enforcement system really needs to revamp and reprioritize social interactions period and you mentioned protests and like john boyega recently reminded us protests are a place to speak out about injustices and also inspire people. Please take a listen to his passionate and heartfelt speech. First of all, I wanna thank every single one of you for coming out. This is very important, this is very vital. Black lives have always mattered. We have always been important. We have always meant something. We have always succeeded regardless. And now is the time. I ain't waiting, I ain't waiting. I have been born in this country, I'm 28 years old, born and raised in London, and for time, every black person understands and realizes the first time you are reminded that you are black. You remember, every black person in here remembered when another person reminded you that you were black. So none of you out there, all those protesters on the other side, protesting against what we want to do, protesting against what we want to try and achieve. Burn you, because this is so vital. I need you to understand how painful it is guys, guys, guys. to be reminded every day that your race means nothing. And that isn't the case anymore. That is never the case anymore. We are going to try today. We are a physical representation of our support for George Floyd. We are a physical representation on our support for Sandra Bland. We are a physical representation on our support for Trayvon Martin. We are a physical representation of our support for Stephen Lawrence. For Mark Duggan. It is very, very important that we keep control in this moment and we make this as peaceful as possible. We make this as peaceful and as organized as possible. Because you know what, guys? They want us to mess up. They want us to be disorganized. But not today. Not today! Not today! You know what? This message is specifically for black men. Black men! Black men, we need to take care of our black women! We need to take care of them! They are ours! They are our hearts! They are our future! We cannot demonize our own! We are the pillars of the family! Imagine this! A nation that is set up with individual families that are thriving, that are healthy, that communicate, that raise their children in love, have a better rate of becoming better human beings. That's it. And that's what we need to create. Facts. Black men, it starts with you. Hey, it's done, man. We can't be trashed no more. We have to be better. Do you not understand? I'm speaking to you from my heart. Look, I don't know if I'm gonna have a career after this. Today, it's about innocent people who were halfway through their process. We don't know what George Floyd could have achieved. We don't know what Sandra Blank could have achieved. But today, 
We're going to make sure that that won't be an alien thought to our young ones. I'm sure you lot came today and you left your kids. And when you see your kids, they're aimlessly playing. They don't understand what's going on. Today is the day that we remind them that we are dedicated. And this is a lifelong dedication. Guys, we don't leave here and stop, you know. We don't leave here and stop. This is longevity. Some of you are artists. Some of you are bankers. Some of you are lawyers. Some of you own shop stores. You are important. Your individual power, your individual right is very, very important. We can all join together to make this a better world. We can all join together to make this special. We can all join together. What would you say to someone who doesn't understand the anger, the movement, and the protests that are developing worldwide right now? I would tell them it's not about you. It's about somebody else's oppression. And you need to understand that you even asking this question, you even being outraged about other people protesting comes from your own position of privilege because it is something that doesn't affect you. For a lot of individuals, they might not have maybe been stopped and questioned simply because of the color of their skin. They might not have been rejected from a job simply because of the color of their skin. They might not have missed an opportunity simply because of the color of their skin. That's not to say that, for example, white folks don't suffer. Everybody suffers. That suffering is universal. All I'm saying is that for racial minorities, for people of color, there is an added element here where In addition to everything people struggle with worldwide, they also go through prejudice simply because of their skin color. I mean, it was so powerful. John Boyega saying, we all know the first time we were reminded that we were black. That to me was just so powerful. As much as many of us would like to join in protests and march in solidarity, there is still a pandemic in our midst. Many people are immunocompromised and have health risks that prevent them from congregating in large crowds. Although they might not be able to be out there in public, they can still fight for what's right. What are some of the ways people can help when they're unable to participate in the protests that are going on? Well, Even if people are not able to participate in protests by physically going to protest, they can still participate in protesting. So, for example, they can post on social media protesting bad behavior by certain people. They can point out racism. They can put a pressure on their local and federal representatives to take action and to change For example, police procedures, they can point out to other people about the kind of news situations that are happening and even having conversations with people who don't understand can bring about action. So we know that as powerful as protests are, they're not enough. And in addition to protesting live, we also need to be contacting politicians, city councils, police commissioners, mayors, 
senators, just any kind of political representation that we can to get laws to be changed. We're starting to see movement. For example, it took a week, but finally the four officers that were implicated in George Floyd's death were all arrested, all four of them. And through putting pressure on politicians, through bringing injustices to light, we're seeing changes. This is only the first step. We still have so much work to do. But even if you're unable to go to a protest in person, there's still a lot that you can do right from your own home, from your laptop or from your phone. So as much as you can, please take action because for a lot of individuals out there, this is life and death. And for all of us, for the citizens of this earth, this should be a life or death movement. For those that are able to go out and protest and be out there, keep your phones going, keep videotaping these situations. I can't say how crazy it is to see these videos of law enforcement still abusing their power in these situations and like arresting it's, journalists, arresting journalists, shooting journalists with rubber bullets. Paramedics. And, and oh my God, that paramedic station just going and just demolishing it it's like this whole thing started from bad behavior and they're still doing it even more this kind of thing makes me just furious how much are we not seeing and i'm glad you you brought that up you know we're seeing a lot of really bad behavior i think we're seeing some good behavior we're seeing some police officers for example just today in north carolina a whole bunch of police officers kneeled on one knee in solidarity with the protesters. This was a small conservative town mm -hmm. where police officers sided with the protesters. And I think that we need to remember the words of Martin Luther King Jr. because darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that means that we will only stamp out racism when we can all support one another through this war on racism and when people can start to wake up and learn to love one another. Most definitely. Obviously, we all need to do our part in this and keep fighting against racism and keep fighting for equality. I want to ask you a question, and that is, what is in your life's blueprint? This is the most important and crucial period of your lives for what you do now and what you decide now at this age may well determine which way your life shall go. And I want to suggest some of the things that should be in your life's blueprint. Number one in your life's blueprint should be a deep belief in your own dignity, your own worth, and your own somebodiness. Don't allow anybody to make you feel that you are nobody. Always feel that you count. Always feel that you have worth. And always feel that your life has ultimate significance. Secondly, in your life's blueprint 
You must have, as a basic principle, the determination to achieve excellence. You're going to be deciding as the days and the years unfold what you will do in life, what your life's work will be. And once you discover what it will be, set out to do it and to do it well. Black men and black women who demonstrated to us that human nature cannot be cataloged. They and their own lives have walked through long and desolate nights of oppression, and yet they've risen up in cloud-filled nights of affliction. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. For it isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best of whatever you are. Finally, in your life's blueprint, must be a commitment to the eternal principles of beauty, love, and justice. Don't allow anybody to pull you so low as to make you hate them. Don't allow anybody to cause you to lose your self-respect to the point that you do not struggle for justice. You have a responsibility to seek to make your nation a better nation in which to live. You have a responsibility to seek to make life better for everybody. And so you must be involved in the struggle for freedom and justice. And we can transform dark yesterdays of injustice into bright tomorrows of justice and humanity. Let us keep going toward the goal of selfhood, toward the realization of the dream of brotherhood, and toward the realization of the dream of understanding goodwill. Let nobody stop us. We must keep moving. We must keep going. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl, but by all means, Keep moving. What might be some obstacles that some people might face and how can they overcome them? I think for some folks, they might be afraid because their family might feel otherwise. And for other people, they might feel so overwhelmed and so scared and so grief stricken that they might not know where to start. If your family sees things differently from you, it's okay for you to take a stand for what you believe in. For some people, the actions that you might need to take might look differently from other people because some folks might need to think about their safety. For example, if you're a minor and you're afraid that your parents will physically hurt you or kick you out, I understand that sometimes the amount that we can do might vary. And at the same time, there might be still things that you can share or post on social media, maybe even under an anonymous account of some kind, or support folks who are struggling, just posting messages of support or writing letters or signing petitions. For other people, for people who are feeling overwhelmed and scared and grief-stricken, here's what I found. I found that we all might experience what's called empathic distress, right? When we see some individuals who are suffering, we might suffer too, understandably so, because we want to help. But we might think that we might be incapable of help. And yet, 
when we start to take action, when we start to, for example, post on social media or sign petitions or start petitions and reach out to our representatives, we're engaging in meaning-making behaviors. And meaning-making has actually been shown to reduce the possibility of people developing post-traumatic stress disorder. When we are stepping away from our core values, when we fail to protect people, when we fail to engage in activities that we believe to be morally right or do nothing when we see morally wrong behavior, we might experience something called moral injury, which might lead to us experiencing PTSD later on. Taking action, however small or big, such as, again, contacting our local representatives, posting on social media, and other similar ways of protesting racism, these kind of behaviors can help other people, they can contribute to this cause, and they can also give us the kind of boost that we need to find our own resilience. Mm. That was beautiful. And that is so true. So what do you think is the most effective way for white people to advocate and support the black community during this time? First of all, I think that when the black community is talking, the white community needs to just shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. We need to learn. We need to understand. And it's not about us. It's not about defending our own egos. It's about learning about other people's experiences. And we need to, again not ask other people to educate us. We need to put the pressure on ourselves. There's plenty of documentaries on Netflix. There are books that we can borrow from the library that we can read on the history of racism and what we can do to, again, not just not be racist, but to be anti-racist. And that's exactly what we need to do right now. Just like in Star Wars, just like in Harry Potter, we need to join the resistance because the time is now and this is a matter of life and death. Well, we want to thank you all for tuning in to this very special episode of Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quell. Keep up the good fight. Stay safe out there. And please promote love and compassion to everyone.